good to see you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church and uh, delighted to see you. How many of you have been in church every single Sunday this year? Let me see your hands. Every single, you got a street going. That is how you do it right there. You have a street going. Don't, don't let that, don't let that streak break. Keep it, keep it going. Uh, in the middle of a message series now entitled The Man Who Had Everything. Who was the man who had everything? Yeah, see, I'm going to trick you all in the end. Solomon, uh, there really was a man who had everything. It was not Solomon. But Solomon had more than any of us will ever, ever know, any of us will ever see. Last week we talked about Solomon in that amazing moment early in his ministry, early in his reign, when God makes him an amazing offer. What does God say? I will give you anything you ask for, anything you ask for. What does Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Literally, last week we talked about this. He asked for a, a hearing heart, a heart that is soft toward God, a heart for, for which God's voice is the loudest and clearest thing in the whole world. That's the kind of heart we all need, a, a hearing heart. God gives Solomon that hearing heart, that heart of wisdom. Now, after God answers that request and gives him wisdom, what else does God give him? Everything, everything. Solomon could have asked for money. He could have asked for, you know, uh, a Kia soul. He could have asked for naturally curly hair, straight teeth. He could have asked for anything. He only asked for wisdom. But after that, God said, since you only asked for that one thing, I'm going to give you everything else. So God gave him everything, wealth, wisdom, uh, an amazing, amazing life that Solomon was given with which to glorify God. He was given all of the wisdom in the world. Now, open up your Bible to the book of Proverbs, which is the book right after the book of Psalms. Find Proverbs chapter 1, but then put your hand there and turn back to 1 Kings with me. Solomon's kind of, his whole life is, is told in the book of 1 Kings. So go back to 1 Kings. We were in chapter 3 last week where it begins, Solomon loved the Lord, followed the decrees of his father David, and then we went through the story last week. Uh, after the uh, amazing moment where Solomon's given wisdom and everything else, there's a little summary of, after that, of Solomon's glory, and it's really pretty fantastic. 1 Kings chapter 4, uh, just if you j- drop in at verse 22, we get the grocery list for Solomon's palace. And this is one day, all right? One day, this is the food for one day to feed the palace. Solomon's palace, the daily food requirements were 150 bushels of flour, 300 bushels of meal, also 10 oxen from the fattening pens, 20 pasture-fed cattle, 100 sheep or goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roe deer, and choice poultry. So like all that with a side of chicken. I mean, that's what it says. I mean, it is the most, and that's just one day's food requirements for just his house, just his house. Solomon was an amazing man of glory and majesty, one of the greatest kings ever. He built the temple of the Lord, which became to this day one of the ancient wonders of the world, a wonder of the world, the temple of Solomon, which he built for the glory of the Lord. Absolutely amazing. Now down in verse 32, still in 1 Kings chapter 4, it says, he composed some 3,000 proverbs. Now what's a proverb? We're going to get there. Remember, you got your finger there. What's a proverb? He wrote over 3,000. 
Yeah, a proverb is a wise saying, a wise saying. So get this, Solomon is so wise, like he just said stuff, and people said, God, that was good. Dude, that is good. And Solomon just said, and would write those things down, these wise sayings. Solomon is just full of these wise sayings. And honestly, the book of Proverbs is just filled with wise sayings from from Solomon. Now, a proverb is actually more than just a wise saying, because I've said smart stuff on occasion, but Solomon's Proverbs are actually all in poetic form. So it's not just that he said like smart stuff. He says smart stuff really well. Like he would say it in a way that it would rhyme. It would be in a couplet. So first line and second line, they say the same thing, but with like with words that are similar but different and words that rhyme. I mean, he's that good. So he writes Proverbs on top of that. Over a thousand songs. He's just writing songs. It's crazy. One of his songs is in the Old Testament. We don't read it with the kids in the room. It's the song of Solomon. It's kind of sexy. But Solomon, man, he was a lover too. I mean, Solomon has everything, everything. God gives him everything because Solomon has a very specific purpose to fulfill uh, for God's glory, a very specific purpose. Remember that when God says, Solomon, I'll give you anything, Solomon's heart was for his people. He remembered the people. He remembered the people who depended on him, the ones uh, in whose life he was the primary influence. And he asked for this hearing heart that he might come through for the people. When Solomon starts out, he loves the Lord and he loves people. And he becomes a man of great wisdom, which brings us to the book of Proverbs. Open up Proverbs chapter 1. It's just amazing that a man can be a source of such wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1. You would probably have very high expectations of a man who has all the wisdom in the world, and that was Solomon. Let's read. Just the first chapter. It's just the beginning. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge, and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7, for the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Verse 8, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill somebody just for fun. Let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us and we'll share all the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They're trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money that robs them of life. Verse 20, wisdom 
Shouts in the streets, she cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you're in trouble. I'll mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me, for they hated knowledge, chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. That's just Solomon getting started. I mean, y'all know that? I mean, that's just him getting started. That's just one chapter, 33 verses. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Not every single proverb in the book of Proverbs is from Solomon, but if it's not, it tells you whose proverb it is. Most of this is from Solomon. He wrote thousands, and we don't even have them all. I mean, this man had all the wisdom in the world. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs, so just a little clue here. If you never really know what to read in your Bible, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs and 31 days in most months. So one of the things that I do is uh, if it's uh, whatever day of the month it is, if I'm not sure what to read, like today is January the 13th, uh, I would go to Proverbs 13 and make that my scripture reading for the day. Sometimes when Casey and I are apart, uh, and we like to feel like we're, we're, we're connecting in some way. We will both know to do that. I'll read the proverb chapter for the day of the month and she'll do the same thing. That no, we, we know we're in the same place. Proverbs are just good. It's wisdom. It's, it's wisdom. I was uh, driving in Bowling Green one day, which is dangerous, but I was, I was driving and I saw a bumper sticker, which struck me because it just didn't seem like a Bowling Green kind of bumper sticker. Uh, But what it said was this. It said, uh, we have enough youth. How about a fountain of smart? Okay. What's that mean? It's a reference to what? The fountain of youth. What's the fountain of youth? You drink from the waters and it will make you eternally young. Yeah. So the bumper sticker says, we got enough youth. How about a fountain of smart? So what's the implication there? What is that bumper sticker saying about all of us in Bowling Green? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think they just said something nasty about us. Um, People aren't smart. I mean, I know, I'm not talking necessarily about your pew, but I can see your pew from here. So, you know, Uh, people just aren't smart. Um, I'm not talking about your GPA, you know, like y'all have a PhD and right there, I say that some of you go, you do? (laughs) Which, exactly, that's that's my point. Uh, They'll give a PhD to a doofus. Um, People just aren't aren't really very smart. Uh, And this is where the book of Proverbs comes in. It's it's, it's a book of wisdom, uh, wisdom from Solomon, wisdom that comes from God. 
We defined wisdom last week specifically as uh, having that hearing heart, that, that uh, going through life where God's voice is the loudest and clearest thing in all the world. And, and yeah, that's, that's wisdom. But in, in a proverb sense, look, look, we need to be a little more practical than, than even that. So uh, what, what is wisdom? What do you think it is? Notice here that the opening verses of the book of Proverbs uh, give you a sense of what the Proverbs are for, what the Proverbs do, and, and it helps you understand what wisdom is. So look, take a look at that. Verse 2, the purpose of Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline. So there's that other word that goes with wisdom here. That word is discipline. What is discipline? Now, it's of course when your mama spanked you or made you sit in time out, whatever, that's, that's discipline. But even that, um, that is a means to something else. What you always want is self-discipline. In other words, if, if you really need your mama to tell you not to you know, touch the hot stove, then you got problems that your mama can't help you. you know? uh, ultimately, we want you to have that voice in you so that you have that inner voice that tells you not to touch the hot stove. It's the discipline your mother gives you so that you're trained to live in a particular way. Notice all of the action words here. The purpose of the Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. The purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right and just and fair. It's not to help them know what is just, right, and fair, because I guarantee you a whole lot of us know what is just, right, and fair, but not very many of us do what is just, right, and fair. And this is where wisdom kicks in. This is what you have to understand. It's not just knowledge in your head. It's not just knowing stuff. It has to go further and and, and deeper than that. So my, my definition of wisdom, if you can help me out, Lindsay, my definition of wisdom would probably start with something like this. Wisdom is the God-given ability to make good decisions. I'd start there. The God-given ability to make good decisions. I've heard people say that wisdom is applied knowledge. In other words, the knowledge in your head, you apply it to your life. And, And I think that's true. But inevitably, when the rubber hits the road, you must apply the wisdom God gives in decision making. Wisdom has to do with making good decisions. In other words, it's not just knowing what to do. It's in that moment of decision, I choose to do what is right, what is just, and what is fair. That's what the book of Proverbs says. So it's about making the decision, not just having the knowledge in your head. I'm telling you, the world is full of dumb, smart people. Dumb, smart people. What do I mean? They know better. They know how to act. They know what to do, but they don't do what they know. So in other other words, wisdom is more than just having it in your head. When the rubber hits the road, when you have to make a decision, when you're about to act, you'll choose rightly. And and this is where wisdom kicks in. Wisdom is a God-given ability to make good decisions. So understand, the wisdom feeds into decisions, and the decisions will determine your actions. And that is why in the beginning of the book of Proverbs, we end up with these action words. The purpose is to teach people to live disciplined lives. Live disciplined lives. Discipline means I know how to say no to myself. I know how to control myself. So even though I want to do this, I know what is right, so I will choose to do what is right. That takes discipline. And a lot of us ain't got it. Let's just be honest. We know better, but we choose otherwise all the time. We do not walk in the wisdom that we have because we lack discipline. 
So understand, wisdom and discipline go together. The purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right and just and, and fair. Now, go down to verse 7 with me. Let's get right to it. Solomon begins the book of Proverbs. This is from his great wisdom, and his wisdom is from God, and this is what he says. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the true foundation of knowledge, the New Living Translation says, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. So if you really want to understand where wisdom begins, it's right here. Fear the Lord. In other words, if you've not yet learned fear of the Lord, you haven't learned anything. And until you learn this, you don't know nothing. Understand? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, what do we mean by fear of the Lord? I think that gets a little complicated and confusing. Because fear is fear. It's like being afraid of the booger man, afraid of monsters, you know, afraid like, like that. And we talking about that kind of fear? Well, we're not, not talking about that kind of fear, to be honest. God is an awesome God. Now, the fact that you have this little picture of God as this, you know, kind of little chubby, you know, old man with a white beard in heaven, you know, sitting on a chair, you know, with a, you know, whatever, you know, that's not real scary. But I'm telling you, that's not really any place in Scripture what God is described as looking like. So you made that up. So you've made up this picture of God in your head that is not very scary. So I'm not surprised that you don't fear him. But I'm telling you, that's not God. God is not just an old man in heaven with a long white beard, you know, and a stick. No, no. In every single situation when God is described, I mean, it becomes the kind of description where words begin to fail. This is an awesome and great God. He is a, a, a giant God, a God capable of speaking the universes into existence, a God who is larger than black holes, who's faster than the speed of light. You understand, everything that we could possibly use to describe or try to imagine his greatness, he surpasses. He's great. He's, he's awesome. And for that reason, the scripture says even the devil, even the devil, the demons, they fear and they tremble. So when you say, well, you don't fear him like you might a monster, well, the devil does. You don't want to be on the wrong side of this God. When you really understand his greatness, his holiness, his power, then I'm telling you, you're probably going to tremble. It would be appropriate to tremble. He is a fearsome and fierce God. You don't trifle with him. You're not going to poke him in the eye. Do you understand? This is a God that you must respect. And this is a God to whom you owe everything. He owes you nothing. He owes you nothing. That's why it's so funny when you run into people all the time saying, yeah, you know, I'm mad at God. I, I don't go to church because I'm mad at God. Well, bless your heart. You're mad at him. I, I mean, you know, the God who put the breath in your lungs, like the breath right now that you're using to say you're mad at him, like he put that breath in your lungs. And like you're standing on two feet and he's the God who put the strength in your bones and he's the God who brought you into this world and he can take you out of this world and you're mad at him. Exactly what does he owe you? Exactly what is it in your life that you feel like he owes you? Because I'm telling you, he owes you nothing. Your life itself is a gracious, precious gift from him. He owes you nothing. You owe him everything. And this is what we're talking about. This God of greatness, this God of power, this God of might, this God of perfect holiness. You fear him. 
You fear him because we are nothing before him. We were nothing before him. And under his power, we all would be crushed. Do you understand? You fear this God. But at the very same time, this great God, this fearsome God, this God of holiness and transcendence, this God that you can't know, you can't describe, you can't see, this is the God who in Jesus came down to us. This God who laid all of that ferocious holiness to the side, put on human flesh and came down so that we could see him, so that we could touch him, so that we could know him and know his heart, so that we could know his love. This is the amazing thing about this God. This fearsome God is a God who is so full of love and mercy for us. It's beyond description. It's beyond understanding. So at the very same time that I want to tremble and fear and hide myself from the blazing furnace of his holiness, his love just draws me to him. It draws me to him. So I tremble in fear. I I, I shriek before him, but at the same time, I come alive in his presence. It's amazing, this guy. Fear of him, Solomon says, is where everything begins. You want to know something about something, sir? You start right here. You start right here. And here's the first lesson you need to know. Wisdom begins with acknowledging the place of God in your life and your place of obedience before him. His place of priority, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. It's priority. Priority has the same root as that word prior, which means it comes first. So God comes first. Before everything else in your life, he comes first. So before you ask what other people think, you should be concerned what God thinks. As a matter of fact, before you ask yourself what you think, you should ask yourself what God thinks. He comes first. He comes first. His plan for your life, his purpose for your life, his commandments for your life, they come first. So you understand his place of God in your life and your place of obedience before him. This is where wisdom begins. You with me? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then it goes on. Verse eight, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace, be a chain of honor around your neck. And and then it goes, Proverbs sort of start speaking like this. My child, don't go along with the wicked. Stay far away from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They lay a trap for themselves, such as the fate of all those who are greedy for, for money. Isn't that amazing? The, the idea that, that they don't even know it, but they set a trap for themselves. It's this idea of consequences. And, and this is what wisdom teaches us. Choices have consequences. Wisdom always thinks about consequences. And throughout the book of Proverbs, this is Solomon's big theme. It's consequences. It's consequences. Solomon says, if you set a trap for a bird right in front of the bird, the dumbest bird in the world will not step into your trap because they saw the trap. But then people walk into stuff all the time and they saw it coming. They saw it coming. They should have seen it from a mile away in the fog, but they walked right into it. Do you understand this? It's because wisdom knows about consequences, but fools don't believe in consequences. Fools don't think about consequences. We don't think the consequences apply to us. We never really think about what happens. We don't think about where this path leads, but wisdom always brings you around to consequences. 
That's why I love verse 20. Again, Solomon's amazing. He's talking about wisdom, but starting in verse 20, he writes this whole section where he sort of makes wisdom like a character, like a character. I mean, wisdom is, is this you know, abstract principle, this philosophy, but he takes all of those ideas and turns wisdom into like a woman who's out talking, who, who's speaking. So from verses 20 on, it's wisdom speaking. And what does it say? Verse 20, wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along Main Street. That's something? Why does it say that? Wisdom's everywhere, Solomon says. Wisdom's out there. She's, she is preaching on the rooftop. She's shouting out to people down at the mall. I mean, wherever there's people, it's wisdom out there calling out to them. What does that mean? What's that say? It just says wisdom's everywhere, y'all. Wisdom is not hidden. I mean, we're not talking about like the stuff you got to go to the library and check out books. Proverbs is full of just the sort of wisdom that you would have if you feared the Lord and then just paid attention to how life works. It's just how life works. Proverbs is full of, of wisdom about things like working or being lazy or obeying your parents or not listening to your parents or, or about falling in love stupidly with the wrong person. You understand? Proverbs is just practical stuff about how to spend your money. It's just all, all practical it doesn't take a rocket scientist to do any of this. You understand? Solomon had all the wisdom in the world, but I promise you, you got enough. But this is where I love wisdom, man. Listen to her. She's awesome. Verse 22, she's preaching everywhere. She's shouting in the streets. She's calling out to you. And what is it that she says? Verse 22, the New Living Translation says, how long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? But the the Harris translation would read more like, hey, dummy. Hey, dummy. How long are you going to be dumb? Why are you so dumb? Hey, dummy, why are you so dumb? This is what wisdom says. Dummy, why are you so dumb? Why are you all time walking into stuff? Why are you all time shooting yourself in the foot? What's your problem? Wisdom is everywhere. Why are you so dumb? I mean, this is... Are y'all reading this with me? Is that not a pretty good translation? I mean, you don't say simpleton in your life. She says dummy. How long, dummy? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you. I can make you wise. I will make you wise. I mean, this is wisdom speaking, dummy. Why, dummy? Why do you act so dumb? I'm not really talking to you, but actually I am, dummy. I mean, why are we all so dumb? Here's, here's the thing. Um, wisdom is no match for stupidity as long as you know better but still do otherwise. It's that know better. See, I don't know everything about you, but I know one thing. You know better. I don't even know what it is that you're doing right now that you shouldn't be doing, but I can promise you this. You know better. You know better. You are raised better. You've learned better. You know that the Holy Spirit leads you differently. You, you know better. And this is the problem. This is to answer wisdom's question, why dummies are so dumb. It's the fact that they know better, but they still do otherwise. We act like we don't know any better, but we know better. 
And this is our problem. It's not a lack of wisdom. It's not a failure of wisdom. It's a failure of obedience. It's a failure to walk in the wisdom that we have. Don't you understand this, dummy? Why are you gonna be so dumb? You know better. Right now, you know better. You are flirting with that lady at work and she's married and you're married too and you know better. You know better. You could blow your whole family wide open, but you don't seem to pay attention to the consequences. You know better. You get a paycheck at the first of every month and two weeks into the month, you don't have any money left because you blow all of your money on lottery tickets and bubble gum. And then you wonder where your money went. Do you understand? You know better. This doesn't take an advanced degree in anything. You just need to learn to walk by the wisdom that you have. You know better. You know that every time when you come in and you continue to rip your husband the way you do, you continue to talk down to him and criticize him and disrespect him. And then you wonder why he doesn't love you. You, you, you understand? I mean, you, your, your words have consequences. Your actions have consequences. It doesn't really take a very smart person to understand that you are living the perfect way if your intention is to destroy your own marriage. I mean, you refuse to be kind. You live this life of selfishness and then you wonder why it is that nobody wants to be around you. Nobody wants to be around you because you're impossible to be with. You're selfish, you're mean, you're not kind. You understand this? You know better. You know better. You know that you're supposed to love. You know that you're supposed to forgive. You know that you're supposed to show patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness. You know that you're supposed to have self-control. You have no excuse, you know better, but you choose to live and do otherwise. And because of that, notice what Solomon says. I mean, it's really sort of, really sort of staggering when you think about it. Verse 31, therefore, they, they rejected wisdom. They paid no attention to wisdom. Therefore, they will eat the bitter fruit of living their own way. It doesn't get any plainer than that. You live your own way and you're going to eat the fruit of that. I mean, that's what you're going to get. You choose your way, you're going to get a whole lot of your way. And in the end, that's not going to be exactly what you were aiming for. You really, really need the wisdom that comes from God. You really, really need a savior. You cannot do this without him. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot be the person that you long to be. You don't have it in you. Fear of the Lord is the very beginning of wisdom, but you don't listen. You don't listen and you don't learn. You never seem to learn. And even when you learn it, you still act like you don't know. You know better. Wisdom is no match for stupidity as long as every single day you choose to live stupidly. Wisdom can't help you. That's why she says when she's talking after verse 20, man, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, I can't help you. When disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, anguish and distress overwhelm you, I can't help you. You you understand? Wisdom can't help you then because honestly, the choice is made. You made your choice. The time for wisdom is when you're choosing. And then when you start reaping the consequences of what you've chosen, wisdom can't help you anymore. I mean, the consequences have come to you. You can make your choices, but you don't get to choose your consequences. Wisdom brings life. Foolishness brings death every time. Man, Solomon, that's good stuff right there, Solomon. I mean, that's good stuff right there. I mean, he had thousands of these. 
I mean, Solomon, thousands of these. He'd say stuff. And people are like, that's good, man. They write it down. They rhymed. It came out in couplets, whatever that is. I said that the man who had all the wisdom in the world, you might expect certain things from him. Do y'all know about Solomon's life? Um, do, do you know? Because go back with me. Uh, go back to 1 Kings. It's turning back in your Bible, like back toward Genesis. Go, go backwards in the Old Testament, back to 1 Kings. This is the most devastating and heartbreaking thing I can, I can do right now is just show you how, how Solomon wrecked his life. Remember, if you're with me, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3, which is where we started last week. It's where we started the story. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3, those, those first words that we use to introduce his life, what does it say? Solomon loved the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord. Solomon asked God, if, if, if you give me nothing else, just give me a heart that hears your voice. I mean, Solomon was all about the Lord and love the Lord and love people. But, but then turn with me. His story is in 1 Kings in these chapters. As you turn these pages, you're passing through his life. Go to chapter 11 with me. It's the end of his life. This is just devastating. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. What does it say? Remember in chapter 3, verse 3, at the beginning it says, Solomon loved Love the Lord. First Kings chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Solomon loved women. He starts out loving the Lord. In the end, he, he loved women. New Living Translation says he loved many foreign women. He loved foreign women. Um, let me stop right there. Let me just preach this little sermon to you so it's clear. Um, Solomon's wives do play a, a part in his downfall. It, it's not because he married women of different nationalities. Be really clear about that. The Bible nowhere forbids or condemns a person marrying outside their race. Now, perhaps your grandparents in the South taught you that, but they weren't teaching you biblical truth. They were teaching you prejudice and racism. That's not in scripture. It is not forbidden and it is not a sin. And God does not frown upon people who marry a person of a different skin color. That's just not in the Bible. And if it's in your heart, you need to examine that before the Lord. It's not scriptural. And that's not Solomon's problem. Solomon's problem is not that he married women who didn't share his skin color. Solomon's problem is that he married women who do not share his faith. So let's be doubly honest. It is not forbidden to marry outside your race, but it is forbidden to marry outside your faith. So as you're raising your children, teach them how to go out and find a girl or a boy that loves Jesus and worry a little bit less about what color they bring home. You understand? It's much, 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 much more important that you marry someone who shares your devotion to God because Solomon did not. And in the end of his life, you can begin to trace his downfall to this. He allowed himself to become attached 
to women, and I mean multiple women, and this also begins to display his heart. Obviously in that culture, especially a king could have more than one wife. According to the scripture here, uh, he had many, many wives. I, I think it's something like is it 300 wives and 700 concubines, uh, something like that. It's just like 300 wives. So, I mean, let's just be really, really honest. Solomon has women in his palace that are called his wives, and he doesn't even know their name. He can't know the name of 300 women. So these aren't wives the way you think of wives, but... And 700 concubines, let's be really clear about that. These aren't wives. These are more or less sex slaves. These are often women who are in his palace, uh, often as trophies of war. He does not know them by name. Their only presence in his palace is to be there available for him sexually or simply to parade as a sign of his glory and conquest. This is not... This is not the heart of a man who loves the Lord. He built this amazing temple for the Lord, the temple of Solomon, still listed in one of the wonders of the ancient world. It was an amazing temple. But notice what it says here. Verse 8, chapter 11, verse 8, Solomon built shrines for all his foreign wives to use for burning incense and sacrificing to their gods. He built a glorious temple to the Lord, but then he built hundreds and hundreds of little bitty shrines to false gods. He did that because of his wives. Verse 9, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9. The man who had everything, the, the man to whom God gave everything and all the wisdom in the world. Verse 9, the Lord was very angry with Solomon. For his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. I love that detail there, but it's heartbreaking, but it's just that sense of he appeared to him twice, like not once, but twice. He, he appeared to him, he saw him twice, not once, twice. And yet his heart turned away. I mean, it's Solomon. It's Solomon. It's the man who knew all of this, this, this fountain of wisdom, this man who could write all these Proverbs and he could tell you, I mean, he could say it right out here. He could say wisdom shouts in the street. I mean, Solomon knew that and Solomon could say, therefore, if you reject wisdom, you will eat the bitter fruit of living your own way. Solomon knew that. He wrote that. Solomon's the one who wrote, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. People who do not know your God, do not love your God, when they start calling you to walk down their path, you turn your back on them. But that's not what Solomon did. Solomon knew that. He wrote that. But at the end of his life, what does the scripture say? Solomon turned his back on the Lord who had appeared to him twice. It happens, doesn't it? Obviously, wisdom's not enough because we all know better. But still, we turn away. I mean, some of you in this house, you have turned away. From, I know you're sitting in church, but you've turned away from the Lord. You've turned away, and you know better. How does it happen? I mean, seriously, I mean, think about it. How does it happen? 
because you know better. And most of the time, you never intend to do it. I mean, you don't really intend to completely turn away. So part of me thinks it's real slow. You know, in Solomon's case, it's like one wife at a time. I don't know. You get to a th- even like 10 wives at a time, apparently. I mean, I don't know how you do that. Slowly, his heart just turns. I, I don't know. It's probably one choice at a time. You know, all those moments when you know better, but you still do the other thing. And, and that has consequences. What are you doing? I mean, what are you doing exactly? Because you know better. And if you're honest, you know, I mean, some of you sitting right here, you are like an inch from blowing it all up. Like you could lose it all. Because you're stupid. I mean, you know better. You could stop it right now. Because wisdom... Is about the choices you make. It's about choices. Again, the first choice that you got to make is that choice to put God first, to make his voice the loudest, clearest thing in all the world to you so that you know how to walk. But then once you hear God's voice, I mean, that's, that's God doing his part, but then you still have to choose to walk in his ways. You act like you don't hear his voice, but let's be honest, that's not the case. You know exactly what God wants you to do. You just are not going to walk that way. Problem is not that you don't know. The problem is that you will not do what he says do. And it has consequences. I think wisdom, among other things, is this God-given ability to make good choices, to make wise decisions. So here's the thing. I mean, you can make another choice right now, sir. I mean, lady, you can make another choice right now. As a matter of fact, I would say you are making a choice right now. Just begging you. Choose wisely. Pray with me. God, there aren't any Bible scholars in the house, no credible doctors of theology, philosophy, or ethics, Lord, uh, no rocket scientists or brain surgeons, but we know enough. Lord, we know better. We know a whole lot better than we do. We may not always feel like we're good at hearing your voice, Lord God, but you've already said enough. If we spent the rest of our lives just doing what we know, then we'd be busy. We know enough. But Lord, we're just incapable, incapable of doing incapable of self-discipline, Lord, incapable of saying no to ourselves, incapable of turning our back when sin calls our name, Lord. We're just incapable, Lord. This is why we need a Savior. It's why we need your Holy Spirit. Jesus, why we needed you to come to us. We can't do this, and we don't have wisdom. And even, Lord, though we got it in our head, Lord, it doesn't come out, Lord, in our lives, Lord. We live like fools. 
Some of us even in this room today, Lord, we are already tasting the bitter fruit of a life lived for ourselves. And Lord, it is a sour taste, but it's not too late. God, I pray that we will learn how to walk in wisdom, to fear you, Lord God, to listen for your voice, walk after it. God, I pray for the man in this room who is so proud, too proud to admit he's wrong. I pray for the woman, Lord, who just doesn't know, Lord, just doesn't know how to stop thinking about other people, begin to look at herself, Lord. Full of teenagers, Lord, who are so rebellious, so full of lies, Lord, living a double life. College students, Lord, who are so far from home and getting further and further from you, oh, Lord God. Let us hear the voice of wisdom today calling us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord. We, we cannot change the choices we made yesterday, but, Lord, we got new choices today. Help us, Lord, to choose to walk after you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who died to save us. Amen.